There was a rather peculiar limerick being delivered by someone in the shuttlecraft bay. I am not sure I understand it. There was a young lady from Venus whose body was shaped like a... Captain to security, come in! Did I say something wrong? I don't understand their humor either. Laugh it up, fuzzball. <laughs> Live long and prosper. Don't do that. May the force be with you. I am not a merry man. Hey, everybody. Court is in session and Mike is on trial. How are you doing, Mike? Well, that's ominous. I didn't. <laughs> you don't know I don't, what that I don't want to do this anymore if that's the thing. <laughs> you will get the reference um, when you watch the episode. But before we get into that, do you want to help explain what we are doing as this little yeah. bonus content thing? Yeah, you like Star Trek and I don't know much about it. Yeah, as I've said on the podcast, I go both ways. Oh, you weren't gonna you weren't gonna let me talk. You were just gonna that's all I gotta say. No, I was just I was I was and I was yes anding you. I was oh, adding okay. an interjection. Okay. You know, okay. banter, the kind of stuff that podcast is built on, that's what I was doing. Yes, and <laughs> so you can continue. No, no, I don't have much more to add. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah, no, I was just saying that I, as I've mentioned, I, I go both ways. I'm not a dedicated Star Trek or Star Wars fan, but I grew up loving both. My family yeah. was a big Star Trek fan, uh, family, so yeah. my dad was into it, and Star Wars was something I kind of found on my own. And over quarantine, um, my wife and I have been going through the whole series, and it really ignited a love for Star Trek in me once again. I love that. We have a little bit of a break um, between, you know, kind of landmark series. We're doing some spooky stuff for Halloween and yeah. some comic deep dives. Um, but between Bad Batch and Book of Boba Fett, there's kind of a lot of dead space. So as a bonus yeah. episode, how, how do you feel about this? I think we should call it Trek Wars. Oh, uh, because like Star Wars and Trek. Yeah. So we'll do this thing. Or how about we call it Star Wars and it'll be the war between Star Trek and Star Wars. So it'll be the Star Wars. I think that will be confusing. The S- Star if, Trek. We're, t- we're taking. How about Star Battle? <laughs> Maybe. We'll figure it out. Um, but the idea. How about here... when the stars align? <laughs> when the stars align. What's the Trek reference there? Star Trek. Come on, Mike. So what we are going to do for this that I am calling Trek Wars, and I get to name the episodes in the podcast feed, so that's that. Yeah, that's fair. I am going to pick a handful of episodes for Mike to watch across Mm -hmm. all of the series of Star Trek, and I am going to see how he feels about it, get his thoughts, and ultimately try to convince him to get into Star Trek. Now, if I'm correct, what, what's your background on Star Trek? You, you're not anti-Star Trek, just not familiar, by, is that uh, correct? By no means. I think I've seen a handful of very weird episodes in <laughs> Next Gen and the original. And oddly enough, I have watched one full season, I mean one full series, and that is uh, Star Trek Voyager, and I yeah. love it. And I absolutely love it. Uh, cool. But I don't know how, why and how that was the only one I watched, but it was. That's so odd. Um, but yeah, we were a big Voyager household as well when that came out. So I agree with that. 
So how this is going to work is we are doing a little pre thing. This is before Mike has watched any of this. I'm going to give him an episode and maybe a little tiny, tiny bit bit of background, but I'm going to try to make that minimal. And Mike is going to watch the episode and then we're going to go back and discuss it. Um, One twist that I mentioned to you that I think we should add, because as you mentioned, you've seen some weird episodes of Star Trek. So there are some, uh, some episodes that range from, Weird to just downright bad to yeah. even almost offensive, if I'm being yeah. honest. Okay. Um, so I think our D&D dice have not gotten a workout since we stopped playing D&D with Crystal Beth and Chris. So at the end of every episode, how do you feel about this? Why don't you roll a D20? And if you get a nat one, I am going to subject you to a terrible episode of Star Trek. <laughs> Okay. Just yeah. add a little bit of risk to it. Great. Yeah, we'll do it. Cool. Um, if we get a nat 20, you have to cook me dinner. <laughs> okay, fair enough. That sounds good to me. You have um, to make I also, me a steak. If we get a nat 4, I have a special surprise for you as well. And I will reveal that if we ever get there, too. That being oh, said, like, Mike. May the force be with you. It's like we get to watch Star Wars. Yeah, something like that. Okay. So that being said, Mike, um, do you want to know what episode you are going to be watching first? Yeah, tell me. And that way, if anyone's listening, they can do this with me. I will Absolutely. be your, your avatar. So tell me, what's the first episode episode I should watch of Star Trek? The first and episode. Also, yes. Make sure to tell me where to watch it. They are all on Netflix, which is very nice. Um, oh, cool. There, there actually, there's something, there's something kind of nice with whatever the licensing was that it's on Netflix, it's on Paramount Plus, it's on a million different places. But um, the episode you're going to watch is from the series The Next Generation, and it is episode nine of season two, The Measure of a Man. Okay. So my thinking about this, just some background for you. This isn't the best episode of Star Trek. You would think I'd want to just like really knock it out of the park with the first episode come out with a bang. I instead, this this is a top 10 episode for me, for sure. But I think this episode does an awesome job of really encapsulating the heart of Star Trek and what differentiates Star Trek versus Star Wars. And so oh boy. it's very it's very different than Star Wars. And I think it takes that's what the reference was. It takes mostly. It takes place mostly in a courtroom. Yeah, I know this episode. Unfortunately, oh sorry, maybe I shouldn't say that. What do you mean you know this episode? <laughs> you know, Data's on trial about like what is, do I have a soul or something, some crap like that. <laughs> How do you know this one? Because you talk about it ad nauseum. That is unfair. I think I mentioned <laughs> it to you once. <laughs> But yes, it is an episode where Data is on trial, and I think it really gets to the heart of what Star Trek is about, and I think this is a good one. It's a little bit of a risk because, you know, it's not, you're not going from planet to planet and meeting weird aliens. Um, There's no, like, big battles or crazy time travel, Um, but I think this is really going to be a good one to start with. You're you're giving me an interesting one because Mm -hmm. if it works, it's really going to sell me. But the most dangerous material to give me is anything about courtrooms, law, oh, mystery, no. murder, crime. Because I hate uh, it. Okay, 
I think you'll be pleasantly surprised then. I'm not going to tell you anything about what he's on trial for, but I think you will be pleasantly surprised then. Okay. Um, So that being said, I just want to know before we get into it, what do you know? I want to give you just some background so you're not completely lost. Luckily, you're not going to need a lot on this. I just want to know, what do you know about the character Data? Uh, Yeah, I know. I I forget what his species is, but I know they're like classically unfeeling, very cold, logical. My logic dictates like everything's logic. Uh, You're thinking Uh, Vulcans. So, oh, I am thinking Vulcans. What's yeah. Data? So, Data is an android. Um, oh, weird. He is an android. You might have known. He's played by Brett Spiner. Um, very classic Star Trek character. He has white, kind of weirdly whitish green skin. And the thing that makes Data special is he is one of a kind. He is. Hmm. He has something called a positronic brain, which makes him essentially undistinguishable from a human being other than how he looks. And he has like super space. He has super strength and he can calculate things. It's super duper, you know, oh, he's he very, very smart. Strength? Yeah. He has super strength. It's pretty oh, okay, tight. Cool. Um, he can't feel emotions. So that's data's core character is he always wants to, he wants to become more human. So he's always on a quest, oh, become more human, learn what it's sure. like to be human. But he was created by a scientist that was banished from the Federation and he went off and did some rogue experiments to make the most complex android of all time. And then his entire planet was destroyed and Data was found in the wreckage. And Data decided that he wanted to become part of Starfleet because Starfleet rescued him from that wreckage. Wow. So okay. he is an android. Um, and I think that's pretty much all you need to know about it. All right, cool. Well, let's do it. Let's jump right. in. Let's do this thing. Cool. To infinity and beyond. The Terry Potter. Yep. A single data, and forgive me, Commander, is a curiosity. A wonder even to thousands of datas. Isn't that becoming a race? And won't we be judged by how we treat that race? Now tell me, Commander, what is data? I don't understand. What is he? A machine. Is he? Are you sure? Yes. You see, he's met two of your three criteria for sentience, so what if he meets the third? Consciousness in even the smallest degree. What is he then? I don't know. Do you? Do you? Hey, everybody. Welcome to Rebels Rebels, the podcast that usually breaks down Star Wars canon by episode episode deep dives into tv and movies but right now we are taking a trek across the galaxy as i introduce my bud my co-host mike how are you Mike? yep i'm here and you're gonna try to convince me to like star trek which yep. i'm open to but um i'm open to it <laughs> but it's gonna be hard i'm gonna tell you that Interesting. Okay. I'm interested to hear your thoughts about this episode. And yeah, I'm quite literally introducing you as my co-host to this podcast and introducing you to the world of Star Trek Next Generation, starting with season two episode. What was it? Episode nine? Nine, I think. Yeah. Measure of a man. Mm -hmm. You ready to get into this, Mike? Yes. All right. I've got... (laughs) 
I will take that as a guess. Uh, I have a quick summary of this episode. So, Data sits in for the first time on the famous bridge crew poker game where he is taught Mm -hmm. the art of the bluff by Commander Riker. And he learns that you can still win even if you do not play. Meanwhile, Captain Picard is reunited with longtime frenemy Philippa Louvois, who once persecuted Picard. Yeah, ooh la la Louvois. Uh, She once persecuted Picard for the loss of his previous ship, the USS Stargazer. Meanwhile, Bruce Maddox, a.k.a. the pervy guy who gives unwanted shoulder rubs, arrives with orders to open Data's brain and check out his filaments. Mm -hmm. Unwilling to comply with the potentially dangerous procedure, Data attempts to resign from Starfleet, but is blocked by a legal loophole setting up a court case full of sexual tension to answer the question, is Data property or a person? This is Mm -hmm. Season 2, Episode 9 of Next Generation, Measure of a Man. Well said. Thank you. So before we get into how you actually feel about the episode, I was curious, do you know anything about the setting of Star Trek? What do you know about the universe of Um, Trek? So they're part of their Starfleet. And Mm -hmm. basically it's a, it's like, um, what would I call it? It's like, it's like the NATO of space. (laughs) Yeah, kind of. Uh, that's a good that's a good way to put it, yeah. Um, so it takes place in the 24th century, and the thing that you will hear is that humans specifically century. have reached a post-scarcity society. So they've mm-hmm. done away with money. Um, they have figured out the techno- technology of replicators, so they're able to literally make whatever they want from thin air. So... There's no food shortages. There's no clothing shortages, materials. Um, This actually takes place after the Third World War. Um, There was a Third World War. Everyone just kind of was in a really bad place. And then out of the rubble, a scientist um, was working kind of off on his own and created warp drive which is the technology to make you fly faster than speed of light. So he launched into space kind of willy-nilly, a space cowboy, and shot off his warp engine, and that caught the attention of a alien craft that was passing by, and that is when they made first contact and opened up our society to the bigger universe. And in the Star Wars mythos star trek star Star trek oh my god i hope i don't do that a lot in the star trek mythos that inciting incident brought the world together to essentially solve all their problems so there's no more pollution there's no more you know want or need um poverty and so the reason people have jobs is literally just to better themselves Mm -hmm. um and so I think that's one of the big defining things about Star Trek that is important is yeah, that... Yeah, very different from Star Wars. Very different from Star Wars. This is saying, and I think that's what draws a lot of people to it, is the idea of humanity's best. You know, mm. what would happen if... I, You know, I honestly am a little more pessimistic if aliens landed and were like, hey, cool, let's, like, show you the universe together and work together. I think that that would divide us more maybe. Um, But Hmm. the Star Trek 
theory is that that would bring everyone together. And so sure. Starfleet's mission, they're part of the Federation of Planets. So it's basically like space United Nations. Mm. Um, and we work together with all these different alien species and our Starfleet, their main mission is to discover more, to better the human race, um, and just to learn about new types of life. And so that is why this episode for me was kind of a good introduction of what Star Trek is all about, because it's kind of that thesis right up front. Okay. So question, Mm -hmm. follow-up questions. Where you're having me watch Next Generation. Yep. Where is, in terms of timeline, two questions, where does it relate to the original Star Trek and mm-hmm. how far away, how long ago was the original warp speed um, created? I'm just curious about those yeah. two. So I don't know the... I don't know the timeline of Star Trek as well as I know from Star Wars. I'm not as much of a canon dork. And the other thing to call out is that the canon of Star Trek is a bit messier and they do a lot of stuff with time travel. So Mm. they embrace that there's multiple universes, there's multiple different timelines. There's a, there's a, a fun one called the mirror universe where everyone exists as evil versions of themselves. And so you'll see that kind of a, you've probably seen the meme of the first time we saw the mirror universe. It's uh, with Spock and he has an evil twin with a mustache. That's his evil mirror mustache clone. So, um, so I will say generally speaking, the first series that came out in the sixties takes place, I think 80 years before the next generation. Um, Okay. So it's almost like, I mean, it's a little, little bit longer, but it would be kind of like the prequels. And then this is the original series kind of that jump in technology and time is fairish to say, I think the warp drive was invented a couple hundred years before the original series. So by the time the original series came about the, this was all established, you know, where they've already reached the post-scarcity future. They already know a lot of aliens and they're just going out to try to know more. And you'll hear it when we do get spaceship episodes, they'll say warp six, warp seven, warp eight, you know, mm-hmm. the first warp drive went warp one. And now the technology has jumped enough that they can go on, you know, multiple times that. Okay. Wild. Yeah, okay. so this, you know, in the in real life, this came out in the 90s, and it was going to be a direct spiritual um, successor to the original series. You can tell in the first season, especially, they were really trying to mimic the campiness and weirdness of kind of that yeah. go-go 60s yeah. aesthetic. Um, but the nice thing is, you know, after about two seasons, I think, from what I heard, the man who plays Picard... Um, as you will know, as Sir Patrick Stewart, a gem of a human being, uh, I think he was just getting kind of mad about the goofiness because he's a serious actor and he, they just kind of were like, you know what, we're doing our own thing. And that's kind of when it grew into kind of its, you know, its full potential. Um, so I think that's, that's a good kind of primer on where this is in the universe. You said you, you watched, uh, Voyager. So Voyager, and then you also hear Deep Space Nine. They started a couple years after this, but timeline-wise, they're all happening kind of at the same time. So you'll see mm-hmm. characters interact uh, between the three series. 
Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, and then you mentioned you're watching Discovery. So Discovery actually happens before the original series in the, uh, uh, so that's like Knights of the Old Republic almost. Okay. Yeah. I've seen two episodes, maybe one and a half. Yeah. And the weird thing about Discovery is, you know, it looks so much better. <laughs> that's, that's something yeah. that's always kind of weird is just the actual look of the show is like, it looks like a 21st century science fiction show. And then yeah. you go back to something that was supposed to happen, you know, 20 years after it and it looks way worse um yeah 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 but that being said i think that's good enough background and with that context i would like to hear your general thoughts of what you thought about this episode um okay general thoughts high level didn't enjoy it (laughs) um but i think this is just the wrong episode for me i think you Uh, gave me maybe the worst thing you could have given me um this is what i tend to not like about star trek is a lot of um what i enjoy about fantasy and sci-fi is some kind of form of escapism and when i want to and then I'll, i'll jump further into the episode but when i want to I don't know. Star Wars has enough of kind of mirroring of our realities and totalitarianism and, you know, these underlining themes of rebellion and hope, but it doesn't dwell on them significantly. They tend to lean pretty far into the Jedi and pretty far into kind of the mythos and uh, light versus dark and don't go too far down any moral conundrums or ethical dilemmas um they touch upon them but they really just skirt them and so i'm able to kind of escape still in those stories without having to reflect too much of my own society <laughs> so a mm. lot of that escapism is really great it's like it's a, just a nice way to turn off my mind be engaged with a piece of media because we live in such a tough time um and we're kind of you know with the news that I, I try to intake and, you know, just general society and raising a child in the society, it's when I want to turn off my mind, you know, which I think we all need to do. And I understand it's a privilege, but for those of us who can, I think it's so important for us to be careful about what we, we intake into our minds in those quiet periods that something like Star Trek is not doesn't do that for me. I can't just turn on, I couldn't turn on this episode and be like, you know what? I'm just going to chill and watch this. It's very much like a, wow, that's, this is raising a lot of great questions and it's a brilliant episode and it's a brilliant, they handle things masterfully and the dialogue is kind of amazing. So this episode is amazing. Objectively, like this would be, if you were a teacher, this would be a great <laughs> episode to show your students. But that's not what I want to do So with my media. I'm more interested in the Firefly, Star Wars kind of adventure stories and less in these, hey, let's view society through a different lens and be intellectual with our... Because um, this is a very intellectual show. That was a very intellectual episode. And... Mm-hmm. For me, it's just not, uh, I I have to limit the amount of that I take in because I do a lot of that at work and I do a lot of that when I'm listening to the news in the morning and I do a lot of that, you know, talking with family around the dinner table. But for my media intake, my leisure time, it's not something I want to engage with just for my mental health. So this episode for me, while objectively masterful, 
subjectively, it's just not something I, I'm like, eh, I, I, I'll probably pass on this. Hmm. Okay. I have thoughts and that's very interesting. My first thought is I might be screwed. <laughs> um, but you know, uh, I th- this is, this is a, um, this I'm, I'm treating this as an experiment. You know, this is a limited series we're doing just to see if it'll be fun. And I think a lot of people who, one of the goals in my mind is that a lot of people who like star Wars may be interested in Star Trek, but don't know exactly where to start or if it's for them. And I'm hoping that this kind of gives them a guide to, you know, bridge the gap there a little bit. And so I'm, I'm using this as data collection right now. I'm hearing what you're saying and I'm trying to see if I can pivot. My worry is that I think you bring up some very valid points. And I think that's a very thoughtful take Star Trek just might not be for you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, everything I've watched, which what's funny is I got, and I watched, you know, Voyager when I was mm-hmm. in middle school or high school, when it was out, when it was happening. And I don't remember, I mean, albeit I was at a place in my life where I could ingest more of this media because I wasn't having to be so careful because media inundation was not a thing back then. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really enjoyed Voyager and I don't remember it being the things I remember are less of these moral ethical kind of quandaries and more of the adventure side. So, mm-hmm. um, not that I'm closed off to it cause it, it, it worked at one point in my life and discovery, those one and a half episodes I saw were really cool and I want to dive in more, just have it. So I'm open to it. I'm just, yeah, I'm yeah. trepidatious about it. Yeah, absolutely. I think the, I kind of like to think, you know, the groundbreaking thing about Star Wars is the the scope of the universe. And you really feel, that's why the cantina scene is so iconic. You feel like you're in a new place. You feel like you understand a culture and a new setting and it feels big and it feels wonderful. Um in a lot of ways, Star Trek is a much smaller show, honestly. It's much more like Doctor Who, which I don't know if you ever checked that out. And part of that, honestly, is because of budgets and things like that. You know, they had one movie to make yeah. Star Wars, whereas Star Trek is, they have to pump out 22 episodes on network television. So, you know, they have to work with a much smaller budget. So it looks cheaper. You know, they don't have the budget to do big space battles and giant universes and set dressings or the technology back in the nineties. But also I think that goes back to the thesis I was talking about. You know, when I go, when I think about all the best episodes of star Trek and I said this in our preview, this, I don't think is the absolute best episode of star Trek. You know, it's not the most exciting, but I think I wanted to kind of give you a good intro to that theory. I was talking about, about what, what makes a man, you know, Starfleet's goal as they discover these things is to bring enlightenment to the universe to bring in a way enlightenment sounds loaded. It just bring understanding, bring knowledge and learning about other cultures. You know, the goal is never, we need more planets. We need more resources. We need more power. The goal is always, we need more knowledge. We need to become better versions of ourselves. So even the episodes that are, have a lot of spaceship battles and time travel 
at the core of it, Starfleet is always moving with that in their heart is how is this, what is this saying about humanity and are we living up to the ideals of Starfleet? So it's a much more philosophical show than I would say Star Wars is. Which is interesting and I'm definitely open for, and I enjoyed the characters and I enjoyed the setting and I like even just being on, it it felt cozy to be on, you know, enterprise and in space. So I love that. So I'm, I'm definitely still interested. My interest is peaked, not diminished. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's, I would say it's an, uh, you have an uphill battle in front of you, but (laughs) I haven't fallen off the path. And I I will say the other thing is that, uh, one of your earlier comments was that star Wars, you know, has so much of this, these new elements, but I would argue one of the, the things about star Wars that, people love is it's the oldest story of all time. I mean, you know, and of course yeah. we always say with the Joseph Campbell, you know, hero's journey narrative and the hero of a thousand faces and how those manifest. But this is star Wars is the oldest story. We know how it's going to end. We, mm-hmm. I mean, I love the Mandalorian, but we know what's going to happen in the end, <laughs> no matter. And the, the real challenge there is how do you surprise us along the way? And, and unanticipated twists and turns. And it's less about where you end up, but more about how you end up there. Because mm-hmm. I think Star Wars has a, you know, a series can start and we pretty much know where it's going to end, but that's not why we're watching it. We're watching it for those twists and turns. But for something like Star Trek, there's not that comforting narrative behind us of like, I have no effing clue where Star Trek <laughs> is going or how it's going to end. Cause it doesn't yeah. have an A to B dark first light kind of thing. It's about, it's more anthropological and exactly yeah. what you're saying. It's this discovery of other cultures and understanding other cultures, not necessarily winning a battle or, you know, prevailing against the evil, the, the big bad, the evil force, albeit there are some, mm-hmm. it's, it's less about Trump, you know, beating them and more about, understanding them. And so that's not a narrative that necessarily comes with explicit comforts for the viewer, but can still be really entertaining. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And that leads me into kind of my last thought about what you said or your feelings about this episode is, you know, with the understanding that escapism is different for different people. I think what I find comforting about star, star Trek. Oh my gosh, I'm going to stumble about that. I'm going to stumble on that so much. What I find comforting about Trek and actually do find escapism is that feeling of, man, things kind of suck right now, but could we be better? And imagining the best of humanity. And like to me, that feels kind of comforting in an escapist kind of way is, Mm. you know, it'd be really nice in a couple centuries if the biggest problems going on is whether or not a android should be property or should have their own agency. You know, that's a one thing that we are actively arguing right now with human beings and that's sad, but it's kind of nice to imagine a world where that question has been answered for humans already. And we're just trying to be better and learn more. And the thing that I like about this episode specifically leading into the plot a little bit is, you know, you can, you can understand Maddox's point of view, even if he's a dick. (laughs) Um, And the thing that I like is at the end of the episode, Maddox isn't like, oh, you beat me. I'm going to get you next time, Data. He's like, no, you just reminded me what Starfleet's about and how important this is. And 
you have changed my feelings on it and I can't wait. I'm glad that I learned better and I can't wait to continue learning and hopefully we can revisit this experiment in the future when everyone has consent, you know? Yeah, I love that. And I love that ending too. I thought it was, I think it's a brilliant Mm -hmm. show, you know, the the nuance of him calling Data he over it. And um, I I mean, it, it, it was... The show is genius. It really is. And actually, the more we talk about it, the more I'm like, yeah, that was really good. Um, it, it, you know, maybe the problem with this episode for me was like we dwelled in the courtroom for so long that <laughs> it really took center stage where it's like, you know, is there is there a, a more creative way to do this besides a court? Um, or like, I don't know. Or maybe, honestly, this is such subtle slow paced storytelling that I'm used to like jump to the next scene, jump to the next scene, like Mm -hmm. fight, fight, explosion, explosion. Like I love Mandalorian and like, this is not that show. This is basically, you know, West wing in space. Um, this episode was, which is different. And, um, I am excited for more episodes. Um, I'm also very interested in what a Christmas episode is going to look like. (laughs) Is there one? Oh, there's, I'd have to look into it. I'm sure that there are, because there's some, I mean, I will be, I am talking about the virtues of Star Trek. There are some weird ass episodes in this show and some very, very bad ones as well. There's a famous story about the next generation where. I, I think I know where you're going. Is it the second episode? Oh, the second episode is insane. Oh, okay. It's, that's that's how I decided to start that show like two or three wild. years ago. I was like, I'll just try the second episode for some reason of Star Trek Next Generation. I was like, nope. Yeah. Uh, so the whole first season is a bit rough. And there's a famous story that, do you know who actually kind of became a big deal on this show is Ronald D. Moore. This is where mm-hmm. he kind of came up. I think he was on X-Files for a bit. Um, and then yeah. he kind of did this as well. And he came through the Star Trek machine and eventually went to Battlestar Galactica, which we think is a oh, brilliant wow. show. Uh, but yeah. I say that because I forgot the names involved, but after the, I think after the second season, they brought in a new showrunner and the showrunner put them through kind of a how to tell stories camp. And his main point that he wanted to teach all the writers is like, okay, all the episodes need to be about something that's the one rule. They have to be about something because the whole first season was just so weird and not even really about anything. It was just like funky Star Trek stuff where they're trying to mimic the weirdness of the original series. Um, Funny. So I just want to put that as a disclaimer that, you know, I'm not saying that everything is perfect about this series. Um, but one of the things that I do really enjoy about this episode is, um, or well, that's also to answer your question about whether or not there's a there's a Christmas episode, because I could definitely see that. Um, but that also leads me into something that you touched on, is that it was a very West Wingy kind of slow episode. And one thing that this did is a lot of times Star Trek will have an A story and a B story. They'll have mm-hmm. the A story is the important yeah. thing. There's the alien planet that they're investigating and one of their crew members went missing. We need to go find them. And then the B story will be like, I'm on the holodeck and I used to be good at tennis, but I'm getting old now. And like, I'm struggling with my tennis shot. Like, so they'll do weird, goofy stuff like that. And I thought this episode was really interesting because they were just like, 
No, there is like there's there's other things being brought in, like the previous relationship between Picard and Louvois, but that all is part of the A story. They really were hyper focused on this question mm. about what to do with data and does data have a soul. Um and so that made this a little bit more of a unique, less goofy episode as well. Okay. Uh, well, I, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm glad we're talking because I would have given yeah. up. Well, I would have thanks. given up quite a while ago. Yeah, I'm glad but, you're sitting with it as well. Um, yeah, the last thing, Yeah, the last thing I wanted to talk about before we get into the next episode you are going to watch um, is some of the characters. I want to know your feelings about specifically Picard and Data. Um, either one, um, every character I've met, you know, every <laughs> main character I've met, you know, the, are like Picard is, is really, he's super interesting. I, I yeah. really like him. I like his thoughtfulness, you know, I, I, he, he could have so easily, I look, I, I don't know. There's a thoughtfulness to him and a, a patience that I love, um, mm-hmm. him not, you know, him telling data almost right away, like, Hey, if, if this really is for the betterment of Starfleet, we might have to do this. That was interesting. I didn't see that coming. Um, and so I, but you know, I, but then I also love him, you know, looking for the moral high ground and sticking to it. He seems like a terrific character. I, uh, also, I mean, Patrick, Sir Patrick Stewart, he's, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's yeah. hard to not see that when you watch this show. Um, he's a terrific actor. Um, and then data is super interesting. And I mean, every character I've met is compelling. Riker is super compelling. Yep. Um, Whoopi love Whoopi. <laughs> I know. Isn't she so good? Oh my gosh. It's so funny. She's um, a gem in this series. She's kind of a, she's, she's a little bit of a guest star. Um, she pops in and out a bit, but whenever she's in there and they have some episodes that are very focused on her character, she, she plays a very interesting character. Uh, um, almost so like, uh, she's almost like a Yoda in the sense that you don't really know much about her. You don't know how long she's lived. She seems really oh, wise really? and even has like mysterious powers. Um, but she's super secretive. No one knows really what her race is, where she comes from. Um, but all you know is that her and Picard have a history and kind of almost like a, not a blood debt, like that seems a little harsh, but they just, they owe each other something and have a deep, deep friendship that no one knows the history of. It's just secret between the two of them. Um, and so she just pops in as this wise sage every once in a while, and she's so brilliant. The other characters were kind of, you know, of course the other characters like Maddox was kind of a turd, but I like that he, <laughs> yeah, I like that he, you know, he grew and had a growth moment and, Mm-hmm. Uh, that that I appreciated that that they broke him out of because none of these characters feel archetypal, which is nice. Mm-hmm. They're also subtle and nuanced. It's that's really interesting to me. And Maddox is like that. He wasn't just a straight up like I'm a turd. I'm going to be a turd all the all the time. He, yeah. you, even just in, within an episode, being able to see that growth is really interesting. What you'd expect coming out of some utopian society, you'd expect that kind of rapid character growth when you know. You have the emo- mm-hmm. you supposedly have those tools emotionally, mentally, and physically to be able to do that. So it makes sense to me. And then you know, similarly, you think about well, I forget her name. Who's the who's the uh, person who calls Picard sexy? Oh, Louvois. Yeah, that that was just weird. That yeah, whole that bit, part was weird. That, that was a weird bit, but that um, was yeah. I don't, and I don't know to what end that bit <laughs> happened, but. Um, I, I like the characters. I do. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think uh, speaking of Picard, I mean, he think he's yeah. I mean, he is pretty sexy, so I will just say that. But um, I think it's such an interesting thing, and that's another thing I love about Star Trek. And one of the big attractions is the characters. You know, you're right that they don't seem archetypical. Um, they are kind of Star Trek archetypes because you'll see that there's a common thing with all of them. They're ve- they feel very whole people you know, but they're all flawed still. Mm. You know, the question that's interesting is in a utopian society, what kind of pain are people still dealing with? And a lot of that is emotional. So you'll see Patrick Stewart did something very interesting with Picard that in retrospect is very odd because, you know, Kirk was kind of like squash buckling space pirate. Like, you know, he, he messed up. He, he got famous because he, there's a test in Starfleet Academy when you're testing to basically in basic training called the Kobayashi Maru. And it's a simulation that's supposed to be unwinnable. Um, And it's supposed to test how well you do in the face of, uh, you know, defeat. And how do you do under pressure knowing that you have no way to win? And Kirk got famous because he refused to say that there's no way to win. And he thought outside the box and essentially hacked the system to make a way for him to win. And so Kirk got famous for kind of getting in trouble. He's the Han Solo captain. He's the, I'm the bad boy and I'm going to do things my way, but I, it gets results and everyone kind of loves him for that. And Picard took a much different way. If he's the spiritual successor to Kirk, he's, you know, he's a distant dad, honestly. He's spiteful. You can see that a lot in, you know, how I think the backstory of calling him sexy was to imply that they had some sort of romantic past and it never really gets fleshed out. They had some romantic past and then this trial with the stargazer kind of, separated them um whether it was you know their boyfriend girlfriend or actually romantically involved or they just had a flirty kind of will they won't they thing we don't know but you can really sense that you know picard was hurt by that and he lashes out you know he's not above above being like you stupid jerk you hurt my feelings and i hate you and kind of stomp off like a whiny child um and in the same way i think that's because he doesn't open himself up to others and doesn't open himself up to being hurt famously you know picard never has children um picard Mm. never marries you know in some timeline i think he ends up getting married and then divorced and it's kind of messy but he's always alone and part of that as you hear from his past is he had a distant dad and he wanted more from his life. You know, he, he had a nice house. He grew up in France and they made wine Picard, which is so weird. Oh he's French. Jean-Luc Picard. He's French, but oh, he, has a, okay. he has a British accent. So that's very weird. But he um, grew up, you know, growing wine with his brother in this small little quaint village that was very beautiful and very nice, but he wasn't satisfied with that. So he ended up excelling in school. He ended up, you know, beating all the records and being kind of a really competitive person because he wanted to just get out there and escape the universe and in a lot of ways escape his dad. And so, you know he leaves and never really goes back to his home for a very long time and kind of turns his back on his past and closes himself off emotionally. And so you can see in that way, that's how he kind of treats his, 
is coworkers. So interesting, huh? That poker game, a famous thing is that's a that's the bridge poker game. So all the bridge crew, if if you're a main character in Star Trek, you play this poker game, and Picard never joins it because you know he's very oh, yeah. distant from it. He's he's the distant dad. He's running away, and he, if he lets himself, if he opens himself up, he might get hurt. And you can see that in his command. And so it's kind of interesting, you know, maybe he's, their society isn't dealing with poverty and scarcity, but they are still dealing with the things that hurt you as people, you know? I love that. I love that he doesn't get involved, though, in, mm-hmm. the, um, in, the, in the game. It reminds me of a movie I love, Saving Private Ryan. It reminds me of um, Tom Hanks's character, the captain. Yeah, and, absolutely. Oh, do you know what? Actually, I'm, I'm thinking about uh, Band of Brothers, not Zayn Private Ryan. <laughs> Band of Brothers, Captain Winters, who, you know, is the captain of all his men. Mm-hmm. Um, he is explicitly not playing poker with all the guys. And what he says to, you know, his lieutenant or something is like, yeah, you never want to put yourself in a position where you can take from these men. And yeah. I feel like Picard very much embodies that. Like, of course, he, he wants to, but he knows he should never put himself in that position. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, compare that, you brought up Firefly, compare that to Nathan Fillion's character who he is the captain, but, you know, he's everyone's buddy and, you know, he'll mess up, but it's okay. That's just the captain. And that was much more of a Kirk kind of style of command. And so I think that's very interesting. And he brings a ton to the table. And then Data, I mean, Brett Spiner, I think, does not get enough credit for how good of an actor he is. I think he kind of got typecast as Data um and you know i think he's something he probably struggled with for a long time but his character is so fascinating to me because they they lay it out in here you know he Mm. was found on a planet by starfleet and just kind of decided he wanted to join starfleet and so went through it and they they made a bunch of new laws to see can an android serve in starfleet what does that look like but Mm. he's they, they mentioned lore which is his brother um there's kind of an evil data out there um that but at the time yeah uh you know it's unclear whether or not lore is alive at at certain points in the series they didn't even know lore existed for a long time so i mean beside lore he's the only person in the entire universe that's him you know he has Mm. no he has no family he has no one like him he has no culture so he's trying to understand and learn this human culture um and what it means to be a person when, you know, these questions are even talking about, is he a person just on its face? He believes he is. Does he have the rights of a person? What does that mean for him? And I think that's mm-hmm. also a very fascinating thing. You know, the the thing that I love about Data is that he brings up these moral questions in a very analytical way, but it actually, I mean, it's, does Data have a soul? And they get down to this argument of prove that I have a soul. And that's yeah. a very interesting thing. You know, we can't prove that a human being has a soul. So how can you put Commander Data on trial for having a soul? And I think that yeah. shines a mirror back at the human experience in an interesting way. And there's a quote, I don't remember what episode it's from, um, where they talk about how Data defines friendship. And he says, as I experience certain sensory input patterns, my mental pathways become accustomed to them. The inputs eventually are anticipated and even missed when absent which sounds like a very cold, you know, bleep bloop kind of thing. Mm. But what does he say? He's saying, as people are around me, I get accustomed to them and start to miss them when they're not around me. And 
isn't that what friendship just is as a human being as well? Yeah. Um, and so that's that's one of the really fascinating things about this character that I love so much. And so I thought that was also another thing I wanted to highlight with this episode is the strong character development of these really cool sci-fi people that, you know, I don't think you see a lot in shows. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, yeah. I, I'm, I'm open. I'm open cool. to it. I'm open to liking this. Um, I, I still am gonna, you know, still put my stake in the ground that I don't, I appreciate this episode. Um, would I ever watch this episode again? No. Fair enough. Um, but I like seeing it once, maybe as a foundational element. But do I have fun with it? Like my barometer <laughs> for like liking this is like, did I enjoy that? Like that's the base. Yeah. And it's, I didn't, I'm kind of somewhere in the middle. It's like, I I didn't, you know, double negative. I didn't not enjoy it. <laughs> um, it was challenging me for me to get through. Um, kind of stopped and started it a few times. Fair enough. Cool. Yeah. So the last thing I want to do, and I love that you went on this journey with me. So thank you again, Mike. There's, I mentioned that I want to play a little game. This is influenced by my favorite Star Trek episode or podcast, The Greatest Generation. They have a little board game they play to kind of, you know, they'll, it's an actual board game and they'll roll. And if they land on a certain spot, they might have to do an episode drunk or they might have to do an episode no notes or all these wacky things. Uh, we're not going to steal that completely. Um, we are going to do our own version of something a little more simple. And also, this is because we used to play D&D together, and I miss that. Do you have your D&D dice near you? Sure. Let me grab them. Okay. I have mine handy if you don't. Okay. Then use yours. Let's use yours. Okay. If it's easier, I will pull out. So I'm going to pull out a D20. So this is a 20-sided die. And in D&D, 20 is good and 1 is bad. So I mentioned Star Trek has some bad episodes. Yeah, boy. So we're going to put a little bit of a game of chance on this. If I get... A natural one, I am going to pick one of the bad episodes of Star Trek and make you watch that. Oh, boy. Um, also, I mentioned this. This is just a little secret for me. If we get a four, I am going to make you watch something special as well. Um, okay. But does that sound good to you? Are you ready for me to roll? Uh, I mean, what happens if it's not a one or a four? Oh, well, I guess that's a question for you. Do you want me to put a little more chance like a better the better the score the better the episode um or is it just i pick if it if it's not a one or a four we're clear and i'll just pick an episode that i think based on what you've told me right now yeah let's just go with that, okay. that makes we'll do sense. that that sounds a little more simple so we're only trying to avoid a one and a four it's just giving a little bit of twinge of danger all right i'm rolling it right now go for it I got a 13, so you are clear, right. my friend. We are going Stick to do a regular it. episode. So I have a couple regular. I have a couple of things that I have a couple episodes in the bank that I'm thinking of, and I, I want to get your opinion. Would you rather have something a it's still thoughtful, but you know, on an alien planet, um, with it with aliens, a little bit more spacefaring of an adventure or would you be more interested in something that has to do with like time travel and some more excitement and some uh you know still again moral quandaries about life but you know it's a little bit more of a sci-fi episode spacefaring is the words that are jumping out to me 
Okay. I mean, and, I mean, take it with a grain of salt. It's not Star. I, this is not Star Wars spacefaring. It's not sure. going to be as you know. I'm thinking. I'm thinking Firefly when I hear spacefaring. Yeah, I mean, Star Star Trek style is like an alien planet is like a field in Pasadena. So, oh and they'll just like film it with like a weird, like hazy filter on it. So yeah. don't, don't expect you're going to be, you know, going to some like crazy alien bazaar or anything like that. Sure. But you want to do the one where you're seeing some more aliens and things like that. Yeah. Get me out there. All right. So the episode you are going to watch is the next generation season five, episode two. And the episode is called Darmok. D-A-R-M-O-K. So this is actually a classic Star Trek episode. Um, I think the only thing that you kind of need to know is that... Yeah, I don't think that there's a ton that you need to know about this episode except for the Enterprise is doing one of its explorations and this is kind of a standard Enterprise-y kind of thing they would do is... They'd go out to kind of meet new races and introduce themselves. And the reason everyone can um, understand themselves in Star Trek is that everyone has a universal translator mm. implanted in their brain. So technically, in the canon of Star Trek, you know, if I go walk up to a Klingon, they're, they're speaking Klingon to me, but my brain is understanding it as English because of my universal translator. And so this episode is asking what happens when you meet a alien, an alien culture that the translator doesn't work for. So that is the episode it, again. That is season five, episode two, Darmok, and All right. that is on Netflix. All right, let's roll the dice. Let's do it. Nice. All right. Do you want to tell people where they can find us? Yeah, uh, we're on Instagram at Rebels Rebels Pod. We're also on Twitter. I don't know. We I don't know that we engage much there, but also at no. Rebels Rebels Pod. And you can always email the show at rebelsrebelspod at gmail.com. Yep, absolutely. We've gotten some nice messages uh, and some nice emails from people who are still watching the shows along with us and like to give their take. So we'll read out a couple of those as we go by as well. So thank you again. And, you know, you don't know any quotes from Star Trek, so I guess I'll just end it by going, There are four lights! Goodbye. I don't get it. Ha, ha, ha.